What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Refiner's Fire podcast for another great week, another great episode. We're going to continue our little two-part mini-series of who Jesus is. So as we kind of know, last week we went a little bit deeper, you know, on the side of who, who Jesus is. We looked at the deity of Christ and kind of just broke down a little bit more than just like our, our surface level, you know, sometimes just, oh, Jesus is God, oh, Jesus is the Son, oh, oh Jesus is this and that. You know, we, we didn't just stick to just New Testament Scripture, but we went back to Old Testament prophecy and Scripture to cross-reference to New Testament knowledge of who we know as Jesus. And so you kind of have to go back and forth between the Old Testament and New Testament to understand who Jesus really is. And so that's kind of how we went through it last week, just by taking the time just to to go backwards and just kind of see who Jesus is. But this week we are going to continue in our uh, second part, the last part of our two-part mini-series of who Jesus is. And this one's going to be a lot more focused on definitely the New Testament side of who Jesus is. Uh, We'll focus in on what what the Word says and uh, yeah, we'll just kind of to see see where the spirit leads and just kind of take the time to just spend time just talking about Jesus. Um, but as we kind of know, like Jesus is most definitely the Son of God. You know, we know that He was the Word of God. He came down. He dwelt among men. Like He was, you know, the Word incarnate. You know, He He literally was the Word. And you know, John in chapter one talks about you know Jesus. Um, or had that the Word was in the beginning, and the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later on in John 1, 14, I believe it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. Now, we definitely know that that's Jesus. Jesus is the living Word. And we're kind of going to pick up on, you know, talking a little bit about the, the Trinity side of it. You know, we see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we're kind of really going to hit for a quick second on, you know, just noticing that Jesus is the Son. You know, the Son is Jesus, who is the Son of God. And we know this from John 3.16, where it talks about, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever should believe in him will not perish and have eternal life. So we see that definitely Jesus, you know, is the Son of God. And all throughout New Testament scriptures, you know, in the Gospels, you see Jesus refer back to himself as the Son, like, I and the Father are one. Like, I only do what I see my Father do. I only speak what my Father tells me to speak. You know, so we we get those hints throughout New Testament Scripture um, and the knowledge and the revelation that Jesus definitely most is the Son of God. You know, he was he was there in the beginning, and he's there during this time when he's when he's on the earth um, at the beginning of the New Testament, and then he still resides in heaven as today. You know, he he has that eternal being, um, as we know the Trinity. Um, it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it makes up the own. The all-knowing, all-powerful all God, um, you know, is three and one, and one and three, and so we kind of see uh, that Jesus kind of gives us that representation of of His being as God, because Jesus is eternal. You know, it talks about in Scripture, like we kind of just said, like He was in the beginning, He dwelt among men, He's living in heaven now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and He plans on returning. So we know Jesus. Is, is eternal. And I think sometimes we we get so ahead of looking at Jesus as just the forefront of New Testament Scripture that we kind of forget that Jesus is eternal. You know, even as I was kind of just sitting here just now, like it kind of struck me, I was like, we don't really think of Jesus as being eternal as much as we should. You know, Jesus has, has been there since the beginning. And all throughout the Old Testament Scriptures, we, we see prophecies of him we see um, directions and, and guidance that are leading us to him yeah he didn't come down and dwelt uh, dwell among men you know until his, his birth but Jesus was already there Jesus was already sitting there you know with God with the Father with the Holy Spirit and watching humanity you know go the path that it's going and I think sometimes we just forget that we forget that Jesus was there. So when it comes to Jesus, you know, learning the word and being in the temple and, and teaching, well, of course, he's going to know how to teach. Of course, his knowledge and wisdom is going to be so beyond and, and striking, um, you know, the religious leaders with all. That's because he's God. He's eternal. He he watched everything lay out. He He helped give the commandments and the law like Jesus knows everything. Like, I think it's very interesting to see that, you know, his, his all-knowing power is is still seen in Jesus. Because nowhere in the scripture does it does it really 
you know, crazily hint that Jesus spent a lot of time studying, but he spent a lot of time teaching. Like, yeah, he went and listened and, and sat around religious leaders and, and people in the temple, but Scripture never specifically, I think, says that he, he spent time in the Torah, he spent time doing this, he spent time doing that. Yeah, he definitely grew up with, with some of those aspects, and I'm sure some of that was taught, you know, to him in his childhood, but Jesus already knew it all. And Jesus already knew. That's why he refers to Old Testament Scripture sometimes and tells them, for it is written, as it is written. How does he know that it was written? It wasn't because it was, it wasn't because it was taught to him, because he already knew. Jesus already knew everything. And so I think that's something that's just really cool to kind of go back and just look at um, and just see, you know, with our, with our own eyes, that his, his eternal being with, with all knowledge and all power and all authority, you know, was, was being displayed in his life. And that definitely falls back into, you know, how it talks about, you know, in, in John verses, uh, John 1, verses 1 through 2, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. And then when you go back to that John 1, 14, you talk about the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among men. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so seeing that, like, we, we get to become more alive to the revelation of exactly how Jesus is God. You know, and I, and I think that's something that's very interesting to look at, that's very interesting to see, uh, as well as we just, you know, continue to learn more about Jesus. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, John talks about how we, you know, we've seen his, uh, you know, full um, grace and truth. You know, and throughout the Old Testament scriptures, there was always these prophecies of, of the Messiah. You know, uh, there's hundreds and hundreds of, of um, messianic prophecies that were that were specifically about the Messiah. And throughout Jesus' life, you see every single one of them fulfilled. You know, Jesus fulfills every every prophecy about the Messiah. Which brings us to another point that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, the Messiah is someone who had been, you know, talked about for, for years and years and years and mentioned countless times in the Old Testament. You know, even in Micah, Micah 5 verse 2 says, you know, that there was a promised ruler of Israel because it says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. This goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of this episode. Jesus is eternal. Jesus has been there since the beginning. And I really do think sometimes, and I guess a really big in Western culture and society, we really do just kind of just focus on Jesus as just the New Testament Jesus. Yeah, we get a lot of our information and knowledge about Jesus from the New Testament. But if we ever forget to go back and look at Jesus in the Old Testament and understand and realize that he is the living God, we, we miss out on the other side of the spectrum of who Jesus is. It goes back, like I was just saying, when it comes to about the prophecies, about the Messiah. Their guidance and direction and revelation it's a compass for us to look and see who Jesus is and how we came about and what his what his you know job here on earth was to do. It was most definitely to to save us, you know, from an eternal damnation in hell, but also for a right understanding, right relationship with God. And then so that we may also have power and authority to to live like Jesus, to give honor and glory to the Father with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we understand these things. Um but I just think sometimes we, for, we forget to look backwards and, and see it all, which I think is interesting because we, we even see in the, you know, in the Micah 5 verse 2 verse, you know, about, but you Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel. Now, we know Jesus himself was born out of Bethlehem. Isaiah 9, 6 actually um, helps us understand this a little bit more and more. Um, 
when it comes to a little bit of that. We we talked about that a little bit last week. You know, talking about for us, uh, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. You know, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, you know, Prince of Peace. And we see that, you know, throughout Old Testament, there's these there's these constant things that just line up to who who Jesus is. You know, it lines up more and more on how we can understand that that Jesus has always been around from the beginning. You know, it's always it's always something that we can go back and look and see, you know, in the midst of our ability just to to understand who God is. And you see that in New Testament scripture that you know, these revelations of who Jesus is, especially when it comes to him being the Messiah, is is lived out. Like even as we as we look, you know, in Matthew sixteen, where Peter actually recognizes and is given the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, because Jesus is asking, you know, who who do the people say I am? Well, some people think you're Elijah, some th- some people think, you know, you're one of the prophets, all these things. And then he asked them, well, who do you say I am? And then in 16 and 17, uh, Simon Peter answers him and says, Simon, you know, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. You know, Peter comes to this realization that that Jesus is not just this just man that's born out of out of Bethlehem or, or some just random guy who just called him to to be fishers of men. Like no, he is without uh, a doubt in his mind. In fact, the Messiah. He is the Son of the Living God. And you know, so for Peter to recognize that is a full revelation, you know, from God. You know, the Father gave Peter that ability to recognize who Jesus was. And I think he did that to kind of help him be more secure in his faith as well. You know, many a times we we get in moments where we struggle and we doubt, but God comes in and kind of gives us revelation of who Jesus is. It's a reminder of, of what he's done. And I kind of feel like, you know, this this could kind of be like the same moment with, with Peter. Not that Peter may be like fully doubting, but there's probably some doubts in his mind about, about who he's following. But for God to come in and give him this revelation, no, you, you, you know that this is my son. And he is the Messiah that's been foretold about. That's been prophesied about. You know, and so Peter gains the ability. It's like a, it's like a full declaration and it's like it's concrete at that point for Peter. And sometimes, you know, we, we get to those same moments where we have those doubts and then God kind of shows back up, yeah, but you remember what Jesus said? Life came to give you a life and life abundantly. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own worries. Focus on today. Like, he just comes in and gives you these revelation truths. And it's so that we can continue to have faith in him. Like, God gives revelation one, so that we may know who he is, but two, so that we can also continue to have faith. Because God's not going to just, if we're truly seeking the Lord and we're seeking out God, he's not just going to sit on the sideline and not pour out wisdom and knowledge and love and, and all of who he is on us. Like, he's not. He's not a God who withholds. He's a God who prepares. He's a God who gives correction. He's a God that gives love. You know, he, he exalts, he humbles. Like God's not God's not a God who sits on the sideline and is then is inactive. And he is active every day. And so just by seeing that he that Peter has received this knowledge, you know, we see that God is definitely active in Peter's life and wanting him to be closer to his son. And not only that, John the Baptist also declares um this same truth as he is preaching to Israel, you know, to repent of their sins for the kingdom is near. You know, John the Baptist himself denies being the Messiah. Um, right before he even makes this statement, because you know John's out there baptizing people, um, John the Baptist is ba- baptizing people, telling them to repent of their sins, and then in John one, you know, verse twenty nine, Jesus enters the scene, and it says, "The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.'" And John the Baptist realizes 
in this moment. Well, it's not that he realized in this moment, but he makes the declaration in this moment that, that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the one who's going to take away the sins of the world. Not him, not anyone else, but it is it is Jesus and only Jesus. And the interesting thing is John the Baptist and Jesus had already already met. Um, if you go back and look at the the scriptures between Mary and I believe it's Elizabeth is John John the Baptist's mother. Jesus is in Mary's you know womb at that point, and so is John the Baptist. And in that moment when Mary meets Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth feels John leaping in in her womb with joy. And it's like John John knew. John knew who was in front of him. Like that, and I think that's so crazy. Jesus' glory and revelation and his and his and his being, just his presence alone, even though it wasn't even fully fully there from what we would say, you know, from a from a physical standpoint, you know, because John couldn't see Jesus. But the fact that the holy presence of Jesus was so alive and real that had affected John in a place that many people would, would say would have been impossible. Because in, in reality, it is. Like, how does another baby know that there's, a, there's another baby in front of it? And how does that baby know that it's the Son of God? Like, even then, John the Baptist was receiving revelation of who Jesus is. And I think that's just, that's so cool, that's so amazing, like, it it just it just blows your mind away to just see how powerful and how amazing the presence of God is in Jesus because it's just it's just interrupted just praise and worship for John and then you know John goes on um to continue to do his, his mission and everything. And then throughout the the rest of the book of John, um, we'll kind of sit on these on these things um for the rest of the episode. But we know all throughout John, like John is one of the one of the best books of the Bible when it comes to understanding who Jesus is. Why? Because you have a lot of the miracles of Jesus and John, and then you have the seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself. If you ever want to get to know who Jesus is especially New Testament-wise, read the book of John. Focus and hone in on the seven I Am statements, and you will learn a lot about who Jesus is. Same thing with the miracles. If you if you look at the miracles and kind of take your time to, you know, break those down and digest those, you'll, you'll learn a lot about who Jesus is. And I won't go over every I Am statement, but I'll, I'll definitely hit a few that way we can we can get a a good understanding of who Jesus is and who he says he is in the New Testament. Um, But we'll kind of just first take a a look at John 6, um, from where Jesus makes the I Am statement of him being the bread of life. And this is right after Jesus has has fed the 5,000. You know, now after traveling some distance, the people had had came to him and, and were following him, but he tells them, you know, after he has fed them, you know, they seek him out the next day. And at least to this statement, because they were they were more concerned about the the earthly side of things and, and signs and wonders. But Jesus kind of just kind of makes it just kind of plain, you know, food on earth that spoils are worthless, but the food that is spiritual endures forever. And he is that spiritual food. He is that eternal food. And this is what leads Jesus to making this statement in John 6. You know, it says that Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so for Jesus to just make this statement is probably really hard for them to kind of understand in a moment. Uh, and I think that's why a lot in, in New Testament Scripture, you you know, um, 
Jesus has talked about, you know, those who have eyes, you know, see, and those who have ears hear what I'm saying. Because Jesus wants people to understand, but, you know, if they're not in that, that, in that realm to accept and receive what he is saying, then they're not going to actually hear what he is saying. It's just going to go in one ear and right out the other. It's not going to sit and settle in their spirit. And that revelation truth, that seed of truth, is not going to be planted in their hearts and in their soul. And so for Jesus to say this was probably hard for some of them to, to definitely accept. But focusing in, you know, on, on, on the bread of life, like, first I want to go back to the whole, you know, thing about uh, Moses giving um, bread from heaven. This actually happens in Exodus 16 after the Israelites have, have crossed over, you know, um, the sea. They've, they've evaded Pharaoh and Moses is leading them into the wilderness. And during that time, they're, they're grumbling, they're mad, they're upset, they, they're wishing they would have died in Egypt, or they were back in Egypt because they could eat whatever they want. And the Lord, you know, kind of just comes to Moses like, why are they grumbling against me? I just literally set them free. Do they think that God who set them free is going to lead them into, into the desert to die? You know, they kind of forgot that the God who set them free is the God who also supplied them with what they need in the season that they're in. And so during that time, in Exodus 16, manna falls from heaven. You know, and there's there's this um, feeling of, you know, their natural bodies, and then, you know, the quail fall as well. And I think that's kind of where Jesus is making the declaration, you know, it wasn't Moses who did it, but it was my father. It wasn't the earthly person, it was the spiritual person where it just comes into earthly food, will spoil. But in a spiritual aspect, the spiritual food is eternal. That's why he's saying, I am the bread of life. And that's why his next statement, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus fully satisfies. In every way, shape, or form that we are longing for something, that we are seeking for something, that we are grumbling and, and groaning for something, Jesus will come in and fully satisfy that. And it may not be the way that you want it to be done, but he'll come in and satisfy it. Why? Because he's eternal. He's great. He's loving. He shows the characteristics of the Father. Why? Because he was sent by the Father. And seeing that, we understand that um, you know, the sustenance we need for our spiritual bodies is, is found in Jesus. You know, Jesus himself tells us when we talk about communion that we are to take the bread as a symbol for his body that is broken for us. And the body that was broken for us led to freedom from sin, death, and the grave and has given us the ability to enter into an eternity with him and God. And so when he says that if you, if you come to me, you'll never go hungry, and if you believe me, you'll never be thirsty. He's making the clear declaration, I am full sustenance for your spiritual body. Everything I say, everything I do, everything I tell you, it's, it's for your good. It's to, it's to feed your body. It's to feed everything you need and satisfy you. And so that's just, that's just another way we can kind of see Jesus in, in the New Testament way is that Jesus longs to keep us alive, I think, is, is one way you kind of look at this. Like, he definitely doesn't want our spiritual life to die, because if our spiritual life dies, then that means that our relationship with him dies, which means our eternal, you know, bodies will spend an eternity in death, which would be in hell. But in eternity with him, if we keep our relationship with him, keep it alive, keep it, keep it going— receive the sustenance to keep our spiritual bodies active and moving with energy, you know, and power that he gives us, then we'll keep our relationship alive with him and we'll be able to receive the eternal, you know, um, reward of being being in heaven. And when I say all this, I'm not I'm not saying that by our works we are saved. By no means are our works salvation. And I know kind of what I just said may have sounded like that, um, but I want to retract and say that is that is not what I'm saying here. You know, we can have a relationship with Jesus, but if we don't keep it going, the intimacy dies. It's kind of like any other relationship you have. 
if you if you have a relationship with somebody, you know, an intimate one, you you talk to that person, you spend time with that person. Otherwise, what distance grows, and eventually, what you break up, it dies, the relationship ends. Not saying that that's how that works with Jesus, but a relationship with intimacy that's dead in Jesus is is man, that's that's a that's a crappy life. If I'm just gonna be bold and say it like that's that's a crappy life. You know, you'll miss out on blessings, you'll miss out on receiving what you need. And that's why spending time with him is key. That's why meditating on the word day and night is key. That's why praying and, and seeking him and, and studying his word and, and being obedient is key because it fills your soul. A lot of us has kind of stated, you know, throughout the Christian life that anytime we, we get away from the Bible or spending time with God, we just feel we feel numb, we feel off, something feels feels different, right? But the moment you you turn on that worship song, the moment you crack open your Bible, you start reading, the moment you start praying, what happens? After time, something shifts. Why? Because you're giving your spiritual body the bread, the sustenance, the energy it needs to be revitalized to keep moving and to keep going forward. And that's the same thing that that physical food does to us. We all know this as basic, you know, anatomy and, and, you know, the body overall, that if we don't eat, we're going to be sluggish, we're going to be tired, we're going to feel like crap, you know, and it's the same thing in our spiritual life. If if we're not partaking um, with Jesus as the bread of life and spending time with him, then yeah, we're, our spiritual body is, is going to die and it's just going to be malnourished. And we definitely don't ever want that in our life. Um, so keep keep following Jesus. Keep seeking after Jesus. I got I to gotta move on to the next one here, which is uh, based in John 10, um, which brings us to, to know that Jesus is the good shepherd. This is the statement that he makes in John 10. And it says, you know, I am the good shepherd. This is what Jesus is saying. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now, this is this is interesting, because I just noticed this when we were kind of looking at this. Um, Jesus is obviously the good shepherd. So, we know... Um, that he that he knows just exactly on how to lead his sheep, which is us. You know, see, a shepherd protects their sheep at all costs. They battle many different types of, of animals. David himself actually had fought a lion and a bear to protect his father's sheep um, in the Old Testament. We also know shepherds know what is best for the sheep. They know what they need to eat, what they need to drink, where they need to eat, drink, uh, eat from, and where they need to drink from, where they need to lay down, where they need to sleep. Like, the shepherds know. And the sheep will listen to their shepherd because they know him, they know his voice, and they know that he will lead them correctly. Well, Jesus is no different. Jesus knows what we need to eat, which is the word, what we need to drink, which is, you know, spending time with him. You know, eating and drinking all comes down to just spending time with Jesus. Like when you really want to get down to it, Having a relationship with Jesus, spending time with him, that's how you eat and drink in the spiritual. That's how you continue to keep your your spiritual body moving. And so he knows where we need to eat and drink from. That's why he tells us, you know, spend time with him. That's why he tells us and models for us how to spend time with the Father. I know throughout, throughout the Old Testament, you see multiple times, Jesus goes away by himself. Why? Because he needs to spend time with the Father. He shows that intimate time with God. Is how you continue to live a Holy Spirit-filled life by the power of God. Because there are many times after Jesus has done a miracle or he's done something, he goes and spends time with the Father by himself, or him and the disciples would get away by themselves and just spend time in community, which also brings a huge thing. Community is absolutely a necessity if you're going to live the Christian life. It's called a body, not just an arm, not just a leg. We're called to be in community with one another. And Jesus shows that that, that that is needed. You know, he had the 12 disciples with him during the time. And not that he needed them to be with him so that he would, he would have community, but to show that community is important and that discipleship is important. 
But when we're going back and looking at this, because this kind of just hit me, and I just kind of want to hit on it really quickly. Um, it says, and I laid down my life for the sheep. And then he says, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I didn't notice this until now. Um, and if I wouldn't have been reading Romans recently, I probably wouldn't have made this connection either. You know, originally, the the sheep that Jesus is talking about he's laying his life down for was Israel. It was It was mainly for Israel. God's design was to correct the um, sin that was in Israel's life for their salvation. You know, we do know that John 3 talks about, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him um, will not perish but have eternal life. But at first, it was it was mainly for Israel. But we also know that Jesus was here for everyone. That's why it says, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I have Gentiles outside of the realm of being a Jew or knowing the law or knowing who I am, but I must bring them also because they too will listen to my voice and then there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Why? Because they're meant to be together. You know, Jesus just say, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Jesus' main primary um, group people group he was after was first and foremost Israel. But then God saw grace. But then, you know, obviously God has has grace um, for us and he has grace for the world and mercy for the world. And so he extends that to all of us. And that's why later on scripture talks about for those for those who love God, you know, for those who who choose to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are now given the identity uh, as sons and daughters. They are adopted into the family. And Romans actually talks about how we were not a part of the original tree. But because of us being willing to accept Jesus for who he is, to accept him as the Messiah, as our Lord and Savior, we were given the ability to be grafted into a tree that we were not originally a part of. Why? Because we had faith. Because it was our faith in Jesus that we were given the ability to be grafted in, to become his sheep. And then there shall be one flock and one shepherd. We have been graciously given the ability to have Jesus as our shepherd. Jesus isn't just the shepherd of Israel. Jesus is the shepherd of the entire world. For anyone who calls on his name for salvation, they become his sheep. That's why he says, I must bring them also. Because God saw you with love and affection, mercy and grace. Jesus saw you when he hung on the cross and he wanted to die for you so that you too could partake in the eternal relationship with him in heaven. That's why he's the good shepherd. Because any other shepherd, I don't think, and I, I don't think during that time, and I would really, I really would kind of say go back and look at it because I, I didn't really notice this until then. Shepherds kept their kept their flocks to themselves. They didn't they didn't integrate with other shepherds and other flocks because then it's like the currency kind of thing gets gets you know messed up because then there gets confusion because in that time livestock was 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 big for them like that was their that was their way of making money. That was that was a part of their their culture, was was shepherding and and you know, using the wool and and goat's milk, goat cheese, whatever whatever else they used, you know, with with you know the shepherds and the sheep and anything else was it was culturally based because it was a way of, you know, making money. So, shepherds integrating with other shepherds and other flocks was not normal. It's it's an uncommon thing. It's it's probably to them like an like an unspoken rule, like don't don't do it, you know, because it would have kind of messed everything up. But Jesus was gracious enough to be like, you know what, you don't belong to me. Um, you know, in a way as as the original sheep do. 
but I can still consider you my sheep, and I still wish to bring you in. That's why he's called the good shepherd, and not the shepherd, because the shepherd wouldn't have done that, but a good shepherd, a good, gracious father did on our behalf. And so we're now able to be graciously um, blessed to be a part of his, to be a part of his flock, to be able to be in the sheep's pen. And that's a blessing. It's an absolute blessing. Because we don't deserve it. And yet God says, I love you enough. I want you to be a part of it. He was that gracious and that merciful to bestow to us the ability to receive him as our Lord and Savior, as our God, as our shepherd. And that that blows me away. Um, it's just a blessing. You know, it's a blessing to, to be able to, to be considered... Um, a part of, of God's family. And it's just something that we get to see as Jesus being just a a multicultural, you know, accepting God. You know, I think a lot of people nowadays kind of, you know, say that when it comes to understanding what heaven's going to look like. Heaven isn't just for whites, blacks, browns, you know, Asians, Filipinos. You know, it's for everyone. It's for anyone who accepts Jesus as Lord. And so just seeing that, yeah, it just it's just amazing. Um, but to kind of just keep moving on um, with the I am statements and, and just the episode, we, we get to see this next I am statement um, where we look that Jesus kind of makes the, the clear declaration of him being the resurrection and the life. And this happens right after um, Lazarus has, has died. And Jesus comes in and performs a miracle and raises Lazarus from the dead. But this all kind of takes place in John 11. And this is just where the I am statement is kind of located. And it's it's in John 11, 25 through 26. And it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asked, you know, do you believe this? And we can kind of see here. You know, this is right, like I said, right after, you know, Lazarus died and he resurrects him. Um, but it's an interesting statement because we know that Jesus is talking about the eternal life here. He makes it he makes it pretty much clear known like he's talking about eternal life, like eternity. You know, if someone doesn't die, then that means they're they're eternal. Um, but it mainly comes through, you know, that if anyone believes in him then they will never die. Why? Because he resurrects their lives. Because all of us right now, if, we're, if, if we don't have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are dead in our sin and dead in our trespasses. You know, and the wages of sin is death. And the wages of sin is, is eternal damnation. But when the payment's already been paid for you, you know how if someone goes out and pays, and pays for your meal, you know, if someone pays for you it's, it's a blessing and sometimes we don't know who that is but the blessing about knowing Jesus is that we know where it comes from and and who it and who it's for and it's for us you know we were blessed to receive something that was that was not a requirement for us to pay for um when we accept Jesus you know when we accept Jesus the the payments already made you know Jesus died on the cross and the wages of sin were paid for um, at that moment, and then when his resurrection came, it's like the final, the final period on on you know the payment being made was was made, and it was done because Jesus resurrected from the grave, and so in that moment, the wages of sin no longer had any hold, one on him, but two for anyone who accepts him uh, accepts him as Lord, it's not on us either. You know, that's why in, in Scripture, and I believe it's Romans, you know, we're, we're alive in Christ. The old, is, the old is gone. The old has passed away. The new has come. We were um, 
baptized in his death and then raised to life with him through his resurrection. You know, because of salvation, because of Jesus dying on the cross. So Jesus kind of hinting here of already what he's what he's going to offer. You know, he says he is the resurrection and the life. You know, not once did he say that he he is death. Um, you know, which is something we would obviously know because Jesus has come to give life and life abundantly. You know, but when it come when it comes to us, you know, looking and seeing that death plays a role in it, um, you kind of get more the idea that death was never God's it was never God's intention like it really never was um which I think is something that a lot of people sometimes forget and it's hard for some people who aren't in the faith to accept because we've heard the stories many times well I ran away from God because my mother died or um you know I I saw someone die my best friend died we've, we've heard these stories of of death playing a part in people's um unacceptance of who Jesus is or unacceptance of who God is, but it was never within God's original design for death to be a thing. In the Garden of Eden, it was it was perfect, it was holy. Death didn't exist, sin didn't exist. You know, but through sin, through disobedience, through deceit, sin and death entered the world through Adam, and now through Jesus, by one man, death and sin entered the world. Romans talks about this. Death had entered through one man. But the grace and gift of salvation enter through another. And that's Jesus. That's why he's saying that I'm the resurrection and the life. Because he's resurrecting what was dead and giving new life. We are raised to new life with Jesus. And that's just something that we've we've kind of come to grips with 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 you know when you talk about um resurrection and life. I think some people kind of miss it at times. But we know that Jesus is is, uh, is eternal, and so when you when you understand that Jesus is eternal, you understand the the importance of resurrection in life, um, which helps us understand you know knowing who He is and what what He was here on earth to do. Um, it wasn't just for you know to die on the cross, but it was to give um, resurrection power and new life. You know we are giving a new identity in Christ, and that's just a blessing that we we have uh, been given. And we kind of see that Jesus kind of has a little bit of this conversation about new life uh, when he's talking to Nicodemus, you know, about being born again. And, you know, Jesus' resurrection power, we are given that new life. We are we are born again. That's the new life that's found in Jesus. And that kind of aligns with, you know, Jesus making the statement to Nicodemus about being born again. You, you know, you were baptized, you were born of this way, but I'm telling you, unless you are born and the new way, and the way that I'm bringing birth to the world, you you won't inherit it. Because we're born into sin, but when we're born in Christ, we now receive salvation. And so that's that's kind of how we see, you know, the resurrection um, and the life kind of come hand in hand. You know, he, res- he resurrects us from our old life, from our dead life, gives us new life through receiving him as our Lord and Savior. And baptism kind of um, gives you the uh, the the physical appearance of that. You know, you're baptized in the waters, and then you're raised up out of out of the waters for you know salvation. Not for salvation, but just declare that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, because you're buried in death, and you're raised to life. You know, you're you're dropped into the water. You're you're, wa- you're raised up, and now you've received a a washing. Scripture actually talks about, you know, we were blood stained. You know, we're stained by our sins. But when we're dipped in the waters and pulled up out of out of the waters, everything is washed clean, white as snow. Because Jesus redeems us. And resurrection, when you really get down to it, is is redemption. You know. It's 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 given the, the redemption of life. It's given the redemption of another chance. And when you think about that spiritually, like that, that's big. Because at this point in time, our eternity is, is, is you know, without Jesus, is stuck in damnation and hell. But when he resurrects us and gives us new life, he redeems us. He gives us a second chance to live holy, you know, and that, and that is only through receiving Jesus as Lord. There's a redemption there. 
He has redeemed us from our past life, and now we are made holy. You know, when you redeem someone, it's 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 you know kind of just set up set them up, um, in a way that kind of just makes not makes everything clear, but kind of puts them on the right path. Kind of says, I've 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 redeemed myself. You know, when you say you redeem yourself, um, and so that you can make it right. Right, so you can so you can be on right understanding, so you can be on right standing with what with whatever it is, and it's the, it's the same way when Jesus resurrects us and gives us new life, He redeems us and gives us right standing with Jesus, right standing with God, and I just kind of saw all that kind of just come together, um, just then. But lastly, we'll we'll kind of just finish up with this last I am statement, and wrap up the episode for this week, and um, move on to to the next episode that the Lord has planned for us. But last week, we'll look at the I am statement that he makes in John 14, and uh, we'll finish up with it. But it says, Thomas said to him, you know, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Well, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And we know this because Jesus is a reflection of the Father. He and the Father are one, you know. And so Thomas and, and the other disciples have seen that Jesus is is the Father. They've seen the Father through Jesus. But he, but he kind of talks about, you know, I am the way and the truth and the life. Um, and we kind of see, you know, there there's the clear dec- declaration here Um I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Not I am a way, a truth, a life, but the way, the truth, and the life. And you, understanding the, the wording and the, and the verbiage there is intentional because Jesus is making it plain and, and, and clear that apart from me, you cannot come to the Father because I am the way. Only through accepting me as Lord and as as your Lord and Savior, only through accepting me into your heart, can you get to the Father. Can you be in heaven? I am the truth. Anything that I have spoken, anything that I have done is truthful. Everything that I speak lines up with the Father. It lines up with who God is. If it didn't, it would be lie and deceitful. He has spoken nothing but truth. And then it talks about that he is the life. As we just know, when he talked about, I am the statement, I am the resurrection of life, he had already made the clear distinction there. I am the life. Life is found through me. If I am the only way to get to the Father, then I am the only way to get to life. And the truth has to be in that. Because without, without truth, there's deceit, which means that Jesus would be lying to say, I am the way and I am the life. But we understand that this that that's not true when it comes to Jesus in this statement. He is the only way. If you accept him as Lord and Savior of your life, you will be saved from your sins and you will spend an eternity in, in heaven. Everything that he has spoken throughout Scripture and throughout his lifetime is the truth because it lines up with God and because he is God. He is eternal. He is all-knowing. He is still God. He is the Word in human form. And he talks about that he is the life. In our in our own physical, fleshly bodies, we, we are death. We are in death. But when we accept Jesus, we are given new life. And so this kind of all kind of wraps up with, with the last two I am statements. But it's just taking the time to understand and know that Jesus is the living God who came down to earth so that we can have eternal life because of his life, death, and sacrifice, his resurrection, but also so that after this, after his resurrection, we are now given the ability by the Holy Spirit to live a life that that exemplifies and honors Jesus and follows him because we know this by Matthew 28 when he gives the Great Commission. You know, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And then it goes on that after Jesus ascends to heaven, the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples in Acts 2 in the upper room on Pentecost. And 
from there we, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit to, to live out the life. And that's why when, when you receive you know, the Holy Spirit, you receive power, you receive truth. And we'll talk a more about who the Holy Spirit is next week. And I think it's going to be a good episode to, to kind of see on how we see God as the Holy Spirit. You know, with kind of coming in with what I, what I kind of said about, you know, power and authority has been given to Jesus. He actually even goes on to say is that when you receive the Holy Spirit power, I'm giving you an advocate, I'm giving you an helper. You will do greater things than I, so that we can see that, just through that statement there that Jesus makes, um, that the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us the ability to live out our life for Jesus. So, We'll wrap it up with that for this week, and we'll get geared up and ready for the next one um, as we just kind of continue to walk out this life, uh, learning more about who God is, learning more about who Jesus is. Um, and then after next week's episode, we'll we'll see where the Lord leads next. I, I think he's definitely got some good things planned. It, we'll start jumping into some things that we can apply to our lives to to just live for Jesus and spend more time with Him. So these these episodes after after the Holy Spirit, you know, who is the Holy Spirit episode, we'll really start diving into how we can apply the Word of God. How can we live this Christian life out so that we can um, one glorify Him, two preach and spread the gospel, uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus, and and three just live this life well and. Um, just continue to chase after him. But that's all that I have for this week's episode. I'm so grateful for anyone who came in and was able to listen to it. Uh, if you can, please give it a like. Please get it out there. Send it to people um, that you may know that maybe in the beginning of their faith, uh, may trying to start you know figuring things out. Um, and even some of your friends who, who are in the faith that's been in it for a while, and maybe this is something that may give them some confidence and encouragement to, to go back to Jesus, to trust in him, that, that he is the living God, that whatever he says is true. And you know, there's there's a ton of knowledge that Jesus says, obviously, in, in the New Testament. Um, so yeah, just you know, kind of get it out there. Um, it also helps me to get more get more listeners. That way, I can continue to do this um, as a full time job, as a full time position. But yeah, I'm super blessed just to continue to do this and to see where God leads us. And I can't wait to see how it's all gonna unfold. But with that, uh, we'll end today's episode, and I'll see you in the next one.